Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. I believe that was page 830 um, in the soft cover Bibles there in the seats. I can't remember. It'll be on the screen too. I think it was page 830. So um, if I'm wrong, somebody correct me. Um, as you're turning there, uh, this past week, uh, got a chance, I think it was Friday night, um, to take two of our kids to go see uh, a movie. Anybody get to see the Lego Ninjago movie yet? Anybody? I mean, this is like, listen, this is serious stuff. Yes. Anybody? Nobody seen it yet? Just us? Wow. Any kids? Anybody seen it? No. Wow. Okay, so let me tell you. You saw it back there. All right, good job. You saw it, Chuck? You guys saw it? He saw it. No, he did not see it. He wants to see it. You're going next. All right, sounds good. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. So uh, it's the story of a young ninja named Lloyd. His name is Lloyd, but it has two L's in front of it, so they constantly pronounce it Lloyd. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's a young ninja who never had a dad. Um, and that basically, you know, informs and shapes his entire life. He's the uh, green ninja. That's Lloyd. I'm sorry, Lloyd. Lloyd. Um, he's the green ninja. And um, his dad is this villainous guy who's trying to constantly destroy Lego City and Lloyd's trying to save it with his friends and all he wants in the struggle, he's trying to <laughs> fight his dad, but at the same time he just wants him to be a dad and I mean it's a, oh man, I was almost crying, it was close, it was close. Um, it was a, but it was a, you know, for a kid's movie, it had a pretty uh, in, <laughs> intense storyline, right? I mean it's a story of like, you know, dealing with dad and, you know, family relationships, it was pretty complex, it was a good story. So I really enjoy it. So I recommend it. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. It's kind of funny. Um, and, you know, there's all types of, there's a good story. There's all types of stories, you know, throughout in, in movies. We, we hear about stories all the time. There's, there's stories in our life. Um, some are unremarkable stories. Some you will never forget. You will probably not remember anything about the movie, but you will always remember Lloyd, right? That's, what you, that's what's going to stand out about that one. Um, you know, some stories are so powerful that they change the way we see life. You know, there are times when you talk to somebody and they share their story and it's like, wow, you know, that's, that's pretty powerful. You can hear a news report and it's like, ah, you know, I, I hear about what's going on in Puerto Rico. It's like, oh, okay. But then you talk to somebody who's got family there and it brings it home because their story makes it more powerful. It's not just the truth of the matter, but it's the story behind it. You know, our lives are filled with stories. You know, my life's filled with stories, you know. I could tell you about the time that my fourth grade class trip I will never forget my fourth grade class trip. I mean, fourth grade, you're starting to get cool, right? We can go places. We went to the dump. We went to the Meadowlands landfill for my fourth grade class trip. And I harbor no bitterness or anger, really. Seriously. And other groups, right, they get to go to like the zoo. Right? They get to stop at McDonald's. We had to bring bagged lunches and eat in a pavilion that didn't even have any chairs. I remember this in vivid detail as a fourth grader. I remember there was like an, an empty room. There were no tables and chairs, so we sat on the floor on the pavilion that is out over the lake that is next to the landfill. If you've ever driven by on the turnpike, you'll see it out there. It's still there. There's sort of like this building structure out over the lake, and we ate bagged peanut butter and jelly 
at a landfill. It was the worst day of my life. Come on. We're supposed to learn about recycling or something. Really, yeah, that left the mark, right? Like to this day, I don't want to recycle just because of that teacher. I do, but... Yeah, there's stories. That's one story. You know, I got another story when my first neighborhood friend, Neil, almost died in a bike accident. Where's my mom? So I'm here. Do you remember that? Remember Neil? It was like, I remember this crazy story, but this kid, like, rode his bike off of, like, a, I don't know, somehow he fell. Like, he, he literally was, it was a mess. And, like, we used to walk to school every day together. And then, like, Neil couldn't walk with me anymore. It's like, man, this was really traumatic. Like, I, I never forget that. Never forget the move to Central Jersey. We won't talk about that. That was a painful time in my life. You know, moving as a sixth grader. Oh, parents, don't do that to your kids. Um, but it's okay. God worked it out, but it was tough. Um, my grandfather's passing, right? There's moments. So you mem- I remember, you know, sitting in the funeral and having to share words there. And you know, there's stories. I remember seeing Anna for the first time. Oh, yeah. It was in, it was in church. It was in church. Her grandmother kept telling me I need to meet her granddaughter. I was like, all right. And then walked her granddaughter. And I was like, whoa. It was, it was great. It was, you know. I remember we, our story, we proposed. I proposed to Anna at the base of a volcano in Costa Rica. Come on. That's not a, that's a good story right there, right? Like, how do you blow that one? I just put the ring on the wrong hand. She was like, other hand, other hand. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm nervous. I was, so just grabbing any hand I could. I was like, all right. Right, finding out we're going to be parents, you know that that moment. She was, I was like, "You serious? For real? No, really? You know?" And like, just those moments, stories. We've all got stories, you know. Hearing some of my best friends say yes to being part of this church, right? I mean, there's stories in our life, right? There's just stories you can go back, and I could tell you detail after detail. Our life is filled with stories. Your lives are filled with stories. If we had time. I'd love to sit down and hear your stories. It's one of my favorite things about, about life is just getting a chance to sit down with somebody over lunch or something instead of coffee and say, hey, tell me your story. It's just so interesting. There's no greater gift than to hear somebody else's story. It gives me perspective I've never had. We had an opportunity a few months ago to sit in on a police chaplain training and uh, a chaplain program that they're instituting here in Robbinsville. And they've asked uh, Pastor Dre, Pastor Kevin, and myself to be chaplains here for Robbinsville Township for the police and the fire. It's just a, it's a tremendous honor, and we're looking forward to serving in that role. But sitting in on this, you know, I don't know anything about police, but sitting through that, it's like, man, I developed a totally new appreciation for, you know, what some of our first responders go through. You know, just the, the traumatic things that they see, you know, throughout the course of just a regular day, a day at the office. It, it impressed uh, on me, you know, a whole new, a new world of respect. You know, when I went to Mexico for the first time with my parents when they were living there, and I saw street kids selling glue, on you know, selling uh, high on glue, you know, selling like gum or something just for a couple of pesos. You know, I remember seeing one of the kids was was so out of his mind from 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 sniffing glue that the police actually just had to put the just came in, just took the kid and put him right in their car and drove away because he was just about to fall into traffic. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you, you realize there's a million street kids, and that that story changes you. It changes you when you see stuff. You know, and I hear in starting point, your stories. We've done starting point groups. How many of you have done starting point groups? Raise your hands. All right, so a number of you have done starting point groups. And you, you just hear your stories. It's like, man, it, it changes me. It changes me to hear your stories. 
And I encourage you, if I can today, this is just a commercial, but um, can we do more listening and less talking? Can we just commit to maybe just listening to some people's stories? It's amazing what we'll learn and how it'll change you. You know, it's the old saying, it's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. Um, you know, let's, let's listen to each other and say what's going on and, and hear each other's perspectives. It really just changes things. Our stories are powerful. And the greatest story of all, clearly, is the story of what God's done in your life. The story of God in your life is the best story you have to tell, hands down. And who you were and how God found you and when the light bulb went on for you and the difference it's made in your life, there's no greater story than that. And if I asked you right now, what's your story? What's the story of God in your life? You could probably come up with, you know, how did you come to faith? Why are you, why are you sitting in a Seventh-day Adventist church in Robbinsville listening to me talk at all? Right? What is it? How did you get here? What's the story? And God knows there's no greater story than your story of faith. And that's why he said the primary job for you in life is to tell that story. Matthew chapter 28, 19, 20 is the Great Commission. Your great mission in life says, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So very simply, our greatest purpose, our highest calling is to share our story with others. We've talked about this before. It's nothing new here. But let me tell you, I remember as a teenager hearing this and feeling pressure. Anybody ever feel pressure to tell your story? Like, I want to tell others how good I think God was, right? how good I think God is. But I was afraid, let me tell you, I was afraid that they're going to laugh at me, make fun of me, call me names, right? That it would be awkward. Sometimes I would muster up the courage and tell people like, my dad's a pastor, right? Like, it's just, oh, really? Yeah, oh yeah, this was, I'm telling you, it went over huge in high school. You know, your dad's a pastor. Wow, that's cool, you know? Um, You get to, you know, like, do you steal money from the offering? No, I don't steal money from the offering. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know. Yes, I have to go every week. All right, stop asking me questions. I shouldn't have said anything. Um, mostly, I did the worst thing possible was I just kept quiet. That's what I did. Because I was just like, it's just easier, right? Because I know I'm supposed to tell my story, but it was just awkward and uncomfortable. And I didn't know how to do it, and I figured that if, if, if I just kept quiet, I would just do less harm. That's what I thought. Listen, I could talk very easily about... The Yankees or the Knicks or football or I could talk about, you know, a movie that we had seen or I could talk about homework. I could talk about normal stuff, right? We could talk about the weather. We could talk about those vanilla things. But if you ask me about God, I would turn into Beaker. Does anybody know who Beaker is? Okay. Like that was it, right? Right. That's just Beaker. Like you start talking about God and it would be just the epitome of awkwardness. Like that was me in high school. Like, I don't want to do this, and I just, yep, yeah, that was it. We all have this good stuff inside of us, this great story, and it can be so complicated to share it because we're worried what others think. We get afraid to offend them. We're afraid to misrepresent God. What if, what if they ask me a question? What if they, like, follow up and ask me something about God, and I'm like, uh, where's the pastor? Right, I need, I need, a, you know, I need, you know, Google, Google, help me out here. And, you know, we're, we get pressured and we love God. But hearing that the, the Great Commission is just our, our story, to, is to share our story, it can, be, it, can, it can just create a lot of anxiety. 
Now, this series we've been doing is called Full of the Spirit. And it's all been about how God helps us. God helps you. He just wants to give you his presence. He wants to give you all of him. He wants to help you pray when you don't know how to pray. He's going to tell you who to pray for. Right? He's going to, he's going to just give you wisdom in that stuff. Last week we talked about you know, how God's going to help you do what's right. He's going to empower you when you don't have power. to. He's going to just strengthen you to do what's right. And God's just constantly there to help. But let me tell you, what we're going to talk about today is the single greatest purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is the single greatest reason God gave us the Holy Spirit. And it's not for you. <laughs> it's to help you tell your story. That's it. To really share that. Now, after Jesus had died and resurrected, we're going to read this, this verse in Acts. After Jesus had died, right, once the cross died and he was resurrected, he's with his disciples and he gives them some last instructions. And this is what it re- we, re- we read in Acts chapter 1. It says this, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, is the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So, let's just pause. For three years, Jesus has been telling these guys, listen, this is not an earthly kingdom. I'm going to be a, a heavenly king. It's different. It's about people. It's not about, like, swords and, 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 and power, right? So now he's died. He's come back from the dead. He's with them. And they go, you going to do it now? Like, these guys still don't get it. <laughs> I can't imagine that this was not frustrating for Jesus. And he replies, and he says, listen, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. So listen, when everything goes down, nobody knows. You know, so listen, if somebody wants to put something on the website about when Jesus is coming back, I'm just going to say nobody knows. It's for the Father alone, and he'll do it when he's good and ready. All right, so don't you worry about it. You just live like it could be any moment, and it could be in could be in a thousand years from now, and it could be in the next ten minutes. It doesn't matter. God know, alone knows. So just live your life, okay? But here's what we need to know. Verse eight says, "But regardless of all that other stuff, let's talk about what I really want to talk about." Jesus says, "Here's what I really want to talk about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses." Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the takeaway from this is that we're supposed to go to Israel because God wants us to tell the message in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and all in, in, the, in that region, right? No, that's not obviously what he's talking about here. So what is Jesus saying here? If this is his last words before he's about to leave, what is he telling us here? Well, one, he says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Anybody know the Greek word here? We got the Greek word here. Look at that. Oh, that's good. Dunamis. Dunamis. It stands for, you know, you get that. It's where you come, the word dynamite. It's explosive power. Right? And boom goes the dynamite. There we go. How's that? Boom goes the dynamite. Anybody? So, power. The purpose of the power of God. This dynamite power of God. The purpose of that. It's interesting. He says, I'm going to give you all this power to witness. What? I'm sorry, what? You're going to give me power to do what? To witness? Doesn't that sound weird? Like, let's just be honest. Power to witness. I mean, listen, power to run. Power to be strong. Power to fight. Power to resist. Power to do this, to do miracles. No, I'm going to give you power to witness. What is a witness? Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth? Right? It's just to give testimony, to say, this is what I know about the situation. It's just to tell your version, what you saw, 
what you know, what you believe. That's it. To tell your story to people who personally didn't experience it. I wasn't there. Tell me about it. I will, I will give witness. And I will give you power to witness. Why do we need power to witness? Because the reality is we all have a story. Do we not all have a story? So let me ask you, how many of you constantly share your story of faith? Some. Maybe you try your best. But the reality is, the story alone isn't enough. He says, I know it's not enough. You're going to need the Holy Spirit plus your story. And your story plus the Holy Spirit power, guess what? Your story becomes eternity changing. Eternity changing. There are four places that are listed here that he says, I'm going to send you out to tell your story. Here they are. First is Jerusalem. Jerusalem is home. It's where you live. It's where they lived. He was in Jerusalem, talking to them in Jerusalem. He says, listen, you're going to have power in Jerusalem. Can we agree that it's hardest at home? Chuck Swindoll said this, it's hardest at home. It's hard to say what needs to be said at home with people who know you best. Right? It's hard to do the right thing at home. It's hard to be who you know you should be at home. The less we know people, the easier it is. The less impact it will have. Listen, I can share my story with somebody I don't know that well because I'm never going to see him again. But at home, I've got to live with this person. Right? I gotta, and, and home doesn't have to be just your house. Listen, I preach here every week. Most weeks. I stand up and preach. Do you know how well it would go over if I tried to preach at home? Let me just look at my wife right now. All right. How many times? Don't preach at me. Okay. You bet, right? Uh, because guess what? At home, here's what Chuck Sundahl is a pastor. He's a brilliant guy. He said, this is what, so this is what happens. He said, I preach. I get home. My kids tell me, Dad, your fly's open. Right? That's what my kids tell me. Right? At home, you're not anybody special. You're just you. You're the youest you that you can be, right? They know you. The great commandment, go make disciples. Guess what? That would be fine. I'm fine with the going. Just don't tell me to make disciples here at home or in my place of work or in my school. Not to my teammates, not to my husband or to my wife. I'll go anywhere but there. There is no place harder to share your faith than at home. Because they know us at home. They know our flaws and our weaknesses. See, they, it's very easy to be called a hypocrite when you stand for something and the next day you blow it. So then we just don't want to say anything because then we've got to be accountable to it. And Jesus says, but guess what? I'm sending you out to tell you. And let's just be clear. Witnessing is not always about talking. It's not always about telling people what to do or what the truth is. To give witness is to give evidence with my life. Of something. Right? It's, it's just that constantly my life is giving evidence to the fact that God is at work in me. So it means I'm going to mess up. But I can witness by saying, I'm sorry. Sometimes you, you think about that. You can actually witness to people by just saying, I'm sorry. Because it's evidence of forgiveness inside of you. Because you've been forgiven. So now I'm evidencing forgiveness to somebody else. Right? Everything you do is a witness. Your life is a witness. And it's hardest at home. It is simply hardest at home. 
But God gives us power. And you will receive power in your Jerusalem, in your home. Secondly, you will have power in Judea. What's Judea? Judea was the surrounding area. Mercer County, right? Bucks County, wherever you live. I don't know. Burlington County, whatever your county is. Ocean County, Monmouth County, I don't know. Whatever your county is. It's your surrounding area. Where do you live? Right? Not just where are you home, but now what's your region? What's your area of influence? It's where most of their life happened. Where do you shop? Right? That's your Judea. Where do you work? That's your Judea. Right? Where do you do, where does life happen? What soccer fields or baseball fields or schools? In Acts 2, it says this. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So now Jesus had said this. He goes. This is like the next chapter. Right? He's gone. He goes up to heaven. Here they are. It says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. I think we read this a few weeks ago. It says, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were amazed, saying, how can this be? These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we all are. Here we are. Here we go. Ready? I'm going to try it. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia. I'm just making this up. Next one. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome. Okay? All in our own languages. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages. Pay attention. Here's the verse. We all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Let me tell you, this is witnessing. This is the essence of witnessing right here. It's speaking about the wonderful things God has done. That your life constantly gives evidence of the wonderful things God has done for you. If you're helping somebody out, it's because God has helped you. Right? If you're being gracious, it's because God has been gracious with you. Right? If you're patient, it's because God has been patient with you. And here's the thing. God filled them with His Spirit. We talked about in the upper room. And He sent them out to the streets. Did they just stay up there? Oh, this is so great. I love talking to God. This is great. God's, God's power is on me. I'm going to just stay here and soak. Soak it in for a while. No. God didn't give you a story to keep it to yourself. He sends you out. He has sent us out into the streets. We are not the church in here only. But we are the church everywhere. That's one of my favorite stories is a story of a guy who is, I think I've told it probably many times, but I'm going to tell it again because maybe you're new. And you get to hear it again. A guy named Jerry Cook was a was in seminary studying to be a pastor, and there was a visiting pastor in, and uh, they had lunch in the cafeteria with a couple other students, and they said, "So where's your church?" And the pastor replied with something that changed his life forever, and he said, "You mean right now? Like, where's your church? Do you mean right now? What do you mean right now? Sure, right now. Where's your church?" He says, "Well, it's almost lunchtime." Some of my people will be, you know, is in D.C. area. Some of my people will be on Capitol Hill. Some will be out in workplaces, right? Some people, some some people, my parents might be at home. Some might be in schools. Occasionally, we get together over at a building on F Street. But my church is all over the place right now. And he said it, it clicked in his head 
that church is not a building, it's not a structure, it's not this. The church is us. We are the church. And when we go, we, we, we continue to be the church. We continue to give witness to the wonderful things God has done in our lives wherever we go. So the question for you is, where's your street? Where's your Judea? Where has God sent you to? Because you are supposed to be having power to witness there. Third, Samaria. Geographically close, but socially far. Samaria was right next to Judea. This was the surrounding area. It was a region. It was right, right next to Jerusalem. Now, this message has been on the calendar since last November, and God knows what we need to hear, when we need to hear it. I just want to, so I just want to talk about this for a minute. Jesus was talking to Jews here. And there was incredible hostility between Jews and Samaritans. Incredible hostility. It was, it was racial. It was ethnic tension. That's what was going on between Jews and Samaritans. We've heard this throughout Scripture, right? The Good Samaritan. You know why that was such a crazy story? Because for Jewish people, Samaritans were no good. They were prejudiced against them. They hated them. They served other gods and they just, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't welcome them. That's how they viewed them. They're false worshiping and they just despised them. So the fact that a Samaritan could do something good for a Jewish person in that good Samaritan story was just like mind blowing. Then Jesus, we see him sitting at a well talking to a Samaritan woman. And they're like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be talking to those kind of people. And then God, at the, at Jesus at the end of his life, just says, hey, guess what? Not only that, I'm going to send you to them. I'm going to give you power to tell your story to them. See, what he's saying is that the story of God is not just for people who look like you or who make you comfortable or who believe like you. He's saying, take this story specifically to those people who you struggle to even get along with or understand, who you may have some natural resistance to for whatever reason because it's busted and it's broken, so I'm sending you to them. Oh, man, right? Thank you, God. He's sending you to all the people that you have a problem with. See, Jesus was telling them, listen, I need you to know, um, I died for them too. The gospel, the story of love and forgiveness and grace is ours to bring to everyone and there are no conditions. There's no limitations. God loves everyone because Jesus died for everyone. He died for your sons and your daughters, for your husband or for your wife, for your mother or your father, for your sisters and your brothers. Here's really, okay, let's just just get it real. Ready? Jesus died for terrorists. Isn't that great? He died for murderers, for racists, for radicals, for Republicans and Democrats, believe that or not, and libertarians and moderates. He died for all of them. He died for Americans and Mexicans and Russians and North Koreans. Here, this is going to be crazy. I know, Jesus died for Donald Trump. He died for Kim Jong-un. And Vladimir Putin, he died for your boss. He died for your really miserable neighbor. He died for the bully who picks on you and for the girl who lies about you. He died for all of us, no matter how good or how bad our actions. Aren't we grateful for that? 
Again, the love of God is without regard. And he sends us to everybody to let them know how much he loves us. Later in Acts, Peter and John got in trouble for doing exactly this. Religious leaders put them on trial and said, hey, listen, stop telling people about Jesus. Stop telling people. Stop witnessing. Do you think they listened? No. Of course not. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God and said, listen to this prayer. O sovereign Lord. Creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Next. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Again, you can read this prayer. The people are just hostile to God. And in fact, this happened here in this very city for Herod. Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed, saying everybody is hostile to this message. You're sending us out there to send, to say, we're trying to tell it, and they're trying to arrest us. And now, O oh Lord, listen, hear their threats, and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. I just want to hear their threats. Okay, listen to this. Hear the opposition of our world to you. Is our world in opposition to God? Is it easy? Do people, are people really excited when you start talking about God? Right? It's hostile to God. Right? Hostile to God. So think about this. They said, listen, hear the threats. But this is what's blowing my mind. What they didn't ask. They did not ask God to protect them. They didn't ask God to silence the threats. They didn't ask God to make life easier for themselves. God, can you can change the laws so people are more accepting of us? They didn't ask that. They said, God, you know the threats. So since they're threatening us, guess what? I just need more boldness. Think about that. Didn't say, fix it, make it easier for me. Just make me stronger. We live in a world that doesn't want to hear it. But the problem is they need it. They need it. Does our world need to know the love of God? Come on. Wouldn't it make things a whole lot better if everybody was, was loving and was kind and gracious? If everybody just, like, if everybody was just loving, it would change the world. Just one of the fruits of the Spirit. If everybody was just patient, wouldn't that change the world? You could just take away horns on every car. You'd never need them. They asked for boldness. Say, whatever may try and stop me, God, just give me boldness. Then my favorite part of their prayer, verse 30 and 31. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It says, and after this meeting, the place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. They didn't just, they didn't just ask God for power, they expected it. They expected power. And they knew that when God helps you tell your story, guess what? Miracles are going to happen. They expected it. It's a year of wonder for us. We've talked about this. We feel like God's telling us, listen, be full of the Spirit, be full of me. 
Pick somebody to pray for. Be aware. Be in, be in connection with the Holy Spirit. If He puts somebody on your heart, pray for them. He's got so much more going on than we know. If you're struggling to do something, pray. God will give you power to do it. And guess what? Most of all, He will give you power to tell your story because people need to hear it. They're going to be resistant to it. But my boldness will help you do it anyway. And when you do it, things are going to happen. Miracles are going to happen. So in your Jerusalem, at home, in your Judea, in your area, in your Samaria, in a place that's geographically close to you, but socially so far, those people that maybe live in your town that you would never talk to, he's sending you to them. And then he says, and guess what? I'm not finished. I'm going to send you to the ends of the earth. We have no idea the extent of our reach. We are more globally connected than ever before. Perhaps you need to go on a mission trip. Maybe the mission trip comes to you and it's your neighbor. Wherever God sends you, whoever God sends you to, he will give you the power to tell your story. I'm going to invite Nikki to come on up. We're going to close. So what? So what? We need to constantly be God's witness to people who don't know. So my first challenge to you today is this. Are you willing to ask for boldness? We want to ask for easier. But are you willing to ask for boldness? Don't ask God, can you give me the courage that no matter how hard it is, that God, I will live out my faith in front of everybody, especially at home, that my life will be a witness. In my street, God, that wherever I go, let me ask you this. I'm going to challenge everybody here. This is your homework for the week. One person. One person. Who is God putting on your heart to reach? And if you don't know, pray. Let the Holy Spirit reveal somebody to you. But God has said, listen, you have a great commission, which is to go and to tell people. One person. You pray for them. You just let your life be a witness in front of them. You've ever, you may have heard it said that you know, there's a quote, if you know, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. You know, just let your life be an example. But let me tell you, there's going to come a moment where words are necessary. Where you've got to talk. And you've got to share the reason for the faith that you have and the hope that you have. And in that moment, you're going to be timid and you're going to be wondering, and is this the right moment? And guess what? Just let the Holy Spirit give you peace. And He will tell you in the right moments. Listen, if, it's probably some of the, for me, the way I understand being a witness is not out there standing on a soapbox preaching to people. It's when I'm standing on the sidelines of one of my kids' games and I'm talking to a parent and I'm like, hey, how you doing? That's it. I just care. I'm interested in you. How are you doing? Right? It's, do you need help with anything? How can I be helpful to you? It's just being a friend. It's evidence that God's been a friend to me. And so I'm just going to give it to you. It's just constant living out the testimony. And there may come moments. And there are moments I come home, I'm like, Anna, I've been friends with this person for a long time. And today they asked me this. And it changed the game. It went from, okay, we're a friend, to, hey, 
Tell me, i got a question about God. Okay. I'm ready. I'm in the moment. Doesn't always mean I'm preaching to people, because guess what? People don't want to be preached at. Makes it really tough for me. That's my, my job. They just want to know God. Be a witness. God will give you power. So let me tell you who. The, the action step today will mean nothing if we don't apply it. If you don't put somebody, I want you just to take out a name right now in your head. Think about it. Who is God putting on your heart? Who is the Holy Spirit just prompting? If there's a face in front of you and you know, like, not them. Not them, that's probably them. But who? And you don't have to preach at them. You don't have to give them entire theology of who God is. You just have to tell them what you know about God. Let me just tell you my story. I, I can't make anything up. I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. I'm just going to tell you, this is what I know of God. I'm going to live it out in front of you. Who? Where's your street? Maybe somebody you wouldn't expect. Let me tell you, share your story across every line. Invite God to help you view people as He sees them. Number one, God's got one people. The world divided, that's the enemy. Very clearly, that's the enemy. Witnessing is not an event. It never ends. Our entire lives are a constant testimony to the goodness of God. Sharing the message with Pastor Carrie this week, she said, you know, it's, it's the new normal. This is who we are now. It's I'm just going to commit to living out my faith in public. Everywhere. And you know what? God gives you power to do it effectively. When you're at work and you feel the Holy Spirit is compelling you to defend your coworker, and that particular coworker happens to be the one person that makes your life miserable, you're saying, God, you want me to defend them right now? Can't I just sit back and get some popcorn and enjoy this? And you know that you need to stand up for them. You do it. That's what a witness is. Testimony to the God who's a defender. When you're at the lunch table, kids, and you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to start a conversation with somebody you don't know that well, and you're like, ah, they're weird. Their shoes are weird. They say weird things. I don't want to talk to them. Listen, you say, hey, my name is. How you doing? When someone tells you they got a bad report from the doctor and you feel the Holy Spirit impressing you to pray for them, let me tell you, guess what you do? You don't go, oh, I'm not going to pray for them later. No, what you do is you say, hey, I just need to let you know this is weird, I know. I feel like I just need to pray for you. Can I do that? Would that be okay? Because I believe in a God who heals. And I don't know, but I just feel like I need to pray for you. Listen, witnessing is not an event. It's just constant. And the Holy Spirit gives us power so that when we witness, it changes eternity for people who don't know how much God loves them. Listen, I want everybody in this town to know how good God is. But I can't convince a single person. Right? I couldn't even talk a squirrel into the kingdom of God. And I'm a preacher, right? I couldn't do it. 
but the power of God plus just my story equals a changed life. Be obedient to whatever you sense the Holy Spirit prompting you. Because let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit prompts you, He never does it just for kicks. It always has so much more than you'll ever know behind it. We've been created with the potential to bring heaven to earth. And when we live in that constant partnership, that constant relationship with the Holy Spirit, guess what? It happens. It happens. So ask for boldness. Live in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And finally, last point. Ready? Here he goes. Expect the miraculous. Because God will do it. Because that's what He wants to do. He wants the people in your life to come to Him and know Him. It fills me with wonder to think about what a community, what a church filled with people, empowered by the Spirit of God to tell eternity-changing stories can do. Let me tell you, Ask for boldness. Don't ask for God to make it easier. Just say, God, just give me boldness. God, help me to share my story constantly, all day long. It's not about preaching to people. It's not about preaching at people. It's about just displaying love all day long. And God, when I do that, help me to expect you to show up. It's a year of wonder. And I expect that in the months to come, in this week alone, my hope is that the people that are on your mind right now, that something will happen And you'll go, you know what? This is crazy. We talked about it Sunday. I had them in my head. And here they're asking me a question about God. They're asking me for help with something. And I've got an opportunity. God, what are you doing? Step into your moment. It's not an event, but you earn the right to speak in those moments. Make the most of them. And I sit here and wonder... How many marriages will be transformed? How many addicts will be healed? How many hopeless people will receive a passion for life? How many children will be awakened to the reality that an infinite God spoke their name into existence? And that they are no accident? That we are all priceless creations meant to change the world? I wonder what God can do with us if we'll just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me. Make me bold. Whatever it takes. So that's my challenge to you. That's, our, that's the Word of God to us. And you will receive power to be my witnesses in your Jerusalem, in your Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm telling you, it's good stuff. We are not just to go ho-hum through our life. We are partners with God in the greatest mission of all. And that's changing eternity for people. Nothing better than that. There's nothing we will do that will ever be more significant. So, who's the one person? So, Nikki's going to play for a minute. I'm give you an opportunity to maybe take out your connection card on the back. Maybe you need to write down a name. Maybe you just want to write down initials that nobody knows, and that's okay. Maybe a code name, like a, a nickname, you know. Cookie, you know, whatever you want to, you know. You know, Bubba, whatever. Whatever your nickname is. But just put it down. Memorialize it between you and God. God, this is who I believe you're calling me to. Pray for this week. And I'm going to pray not just for them, but I'm going to pray for boldness. To witness to them with all my being. So as, we, as she plays, would you just take a moment? 
and do that right where you are. And then we'll close our service in just a moment. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreescc.com.